before we get into that, though, just a brief little Well, the little video's update. already gone. You want me to turn it back off again? I'll turn uh, it oh, off. No, it's, oh, no, it's fine. This is, this is going to go in the video. I don't care. But um, So a little update on my practice. So uh, yesterday, uh, last night, the day before, I sat for one hour straight each night, and it was absolutely wonderful each time. Um, I, I was sharp the entire hour and, uh, I, I never lost track of the breath even once. Um, I was happy the whole time, you know, uh, it was absolutely great. The two nights ago, it was like three in the morning, four in the morning, and I hadn't gone to bed yet, but I had so mm-hmm. much energy afterwards that I had no desire at all to go, to <laughs> go to bed, even though it was like four in the morning. And then uh, yesterday, I did it, and I did go to bed after, but I still felt great, you know, and um, it was just great. It was really nice. I just thought I'd report that before we talk about okay. the right livelihood. One, so. <clears throat> one, one comment on that is, is that, yes, anapanasati done correctly is energizing. That, in yes. fact, feeling on top of your game is exactly evidence that you are practicing correctly. Right. Right. And yeah. that's one of the reasons why the Buddha gives people full permission, uh, almost in the sense of a direction, is, is that we teach wakefulness. I think, in mm. fact, we had talked about that at one time when you were working, then you were tired and you were uh, not getting enough sleep. And I would say right. you got to get enough sleep. And then I think that I even said to you at that point in time is there will come a time when we change it from getting enough sleep into what do we do with our time when we've gotten enough sleep. Which is exactly what we're talking about of pointing out to that. In fact, this is part of the training on the Patty Mork. We had already started talking a bit about the Patty Mork before and um, all of that. Once a month, in many places, and in some places they do it twice a month. I, I kind of believe that we did it once a month in the in the feeling of once in one mock, as well as the fact that Bikkhu Buddha Dasa's hair got really long before he cut it, and that they only cut it before Patty Mork is part of the ritual. Uh, so in any case, we also spend the night up. And that uh, the, the common occurrence would be that Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa would start teaching at about two o'clock in the morning. And so everybody was already up and sitting around waiting for his talk. And he would talk then from two in the morning until sunrise. Wow. And then sunrise was when the monks would then get up, and some of them were getting up kind of early uh, uh, out of the uh, the thing to go out on Bendabot. So that was the reason for rent ending it when it did. But that was that now is the morning of of the day of Paddy Mork. Is the night before Paddy Mork, the monks are up all night. In fact, even in the old Jewish calendar, the new day started at sundown. Not sometime deep in the night or waking up in the morning. The lunar calendar. Yep. The lunar calendar starts at night. So Paddy Mork starts the night before Paddy Mork, and the monks are up all night, intentionally so. Yeah, yeah. It's, okay, it's so that's amazing to me yeah, how, how the commonalities you know, between the ancient religions. There's a lot of more commonality there. But anyway, please continue, yeah. The lunar calendar is just a great example of that. Right. Well, that's all they had. Yeah. In fact, I like that very much. I enjoy mooning people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <Yeah>. So, <laughs> anyway, um, back to what we were talking about. Yes, uh, that the practice, when we get into the flow... Now we have to know two questions, and that is in the sense of how do we keep it going and what do we do with it when we have it? Uh, 
This actually, yes, and I had a question related to this, uh, but all right. Well, do you want to go into that direction or into bright livelihood? Both of them were worth an hour. Uh, let's do the practice first, and you know I have plenty of time to worry about right livelihood for another another time, or we could do that later today. I don't know. We'll just see how it goes. But let's let's stick to the practice for now, and then we can do right livelihood when it when it's when it's best. All right. So, uh, in the correct practice, the the entire uh, intention of one's early practice, the very first thing that's to be done, is the removal of the hindrances, which can also be stated as removal of unwholesome thoughts and putting wholesome thoughts in the mind. This is the first step. And uh, to do that step means that we have to do a bit of an investigation. In fact, to be able to do that, we're already noting. But if we talk about noting from the perspective of noting, then it changes um, a frame of reference. Because here is very much like we're noting, but we're also on a fox hunt. In, In the sense we know what we're looking for. With the noting, it's like whatever comes up, note it, right? Here, we're going to say, um, uh, go out there and whatever it is that comes up, if it is game, kill it. Okay, this is a hunting expedition. Pardon? It's a fox hunt versus whack-a-mole. Right. This is a game of whack-a-mole. The Buddha actually talks about it in, in the case of uh, the deer, excuse me, the, the cow herd, that I, the story that I've told you, right? And so this is the whole point about that we've really got to have a skin in the game so that we're actually, in a way, creating the reality that we're in right now in a way that we've never been able to create reality before. Now, the next point about that, this reality that we're beginning to learn to create is actually much closer to the actual real reality than the way that humans normally operate. Because the reality is, is that everything that can happen does happen right now. And anything that did happen has already happened and doesn't happen again. That Herodotus was right when he says you cannot step your foot in the same river twice. And yet our whole culture is built upon building upon the past. Let's get a foundation here, folks, and then we can build a higher and higher and bigger building. Instead of being just comfortable and happy sitting in a hut. Right. I think this is a big flaw of psychoanalysis, too, is focusing too much on the past. Mm-hmm. Yes. Some of us call it psychological archaeology. Right. I, I had a dream like that one time. Like, it was very literal. I, I was uh, driving in a, well, this sounds like psychoanalysis now, talking about a dream. But... <laughs> I was I was driving. Uh, I have actually read in own interpretation of dreams. That's the name of the too. book. Me too. Me too by Freud. Yeah, it's a, it's a classic. Mm-hmm. I haven't read. You got to be half Jewish to read, read that book. So I've got something in yeah. there. <laughs> the Mormons yeah, thought sure. it too because I've got some Indian blood. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It's a good book. You know, we read, uh, I took a class, uh, I took two classes where we read Freud. He wrote another great one called uh, Moses and Monotheism that I highly recommend. I think you would really like that. It's, it's a short little book. It's like 200 pages. And Anyway, but I had this dream one time where I was driving on the West Side Highway um, on the outside New York, outside Manhattan, and I, I never drive here. It's one of the one thing, one of the one thing I really like about living here. I don't have to drive anywhere. That's like the best thing about this place, but uh, or one of the best things, you know, you live on an <laughs> island. There's no place to drive to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's great. It's great. I live on an island, too, you know, uh, but anyway, so I was driving on this highway. Uh, mine looks and, like one, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. 
but um and i saw this big like um this like this section of this of off the highway that had these archaeological ruins and i was really interested in that and i wanted to go see it and so i drove off and parked my car to get out and go look at in the ruins and then i woke up i had that dream several months ago it was a kind of an interesting dream but anyway i don't know why i felt like sharing that but we mentioned you mentioned psychological archaeology i just thought i'd share that with you but it was a very interesting well dream for me the remembrance of the dreams and uh the remembrance of the past is all stored uh, it's actually all made up in the same place the hippocampus and it's all stored in the same area something like the cerebellum or things like that and because it's in the past you could imagine what the buddha would have to say about it forget about it a lot of people like to do interpretation of the dream and sense that the dream means something but within the context of anapanasati what it means is is that it means that you're dreaming right. <laughs> so what you're dreaming uh the uh, the the phrase is burning by day and smoldering by night all we do is put a blanket on it, but other than that, the mind is still on fire. Sure. And this is why it's so important for Anapanasati, if people are, are going to sleep, is to practice a few minutes before they go to sleep to empty their mind so that they won't have so much dreaming, and then they'll get the rest that they actually need. As that begins to build up, pretty soon you go to bed at the same time that you're ready to go to bed, especially if you've already been practicing Anapanasati, and you're nowhere near ready to go to sleep yet. You're still wide awake. Well, right. this is exactly the way that the Buddha would expect the practice to go, that you're actually mm. uh, practicing being awake, and now here you are. Ha ha! I mean, it's like, we're, this is two plus two folks here. <laughs> yeah. If yeah. we're practicing being awake and practicing energizing the mind and practicing energizing the body, then when that happens, that means that we're not quite ready for sleep yet. So that means that now you can begin to play with your day as if it were a toy rather than a routine. And you can start to catnap if you want to. Mm. That this is much more of a natural way of living that you see in the West for the past, oh gosh, five, six, seven, eight, nine generations, especially since we've had electrical lighting. But even in the old days when the slavers slaved the slaves, they did it all day. And the slaves had all night off for rest. But that's not normal. In the old, old days of hunter and gathering, the afternoon was hot and everybody kind of took a nap. They even have words for it in certain languages, like in Mexico or like in Spanish, they have siesta. Siesta. Yep. Yeah. Okay. But that has something to do with the weather, but it certainly does point that there's no reason to think that we have to get eight hours of sleep from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. Right, right. But that's exactly what it's like in the military. I gave the military's hours. Lights out, 10 p.m., Reveille, 6 a.m., period. <clears throat> but that did not come because the, um, uh, the Army and the Navy and whatnot invented that. But rather, that was already part of the culture, that humans had changed from living natural lives with our natural sleep patterns. And one of the things about becoming a monk and living in Thailand is you can allow yourself to go back to natural sleep patterns. Isn't that amazing? Even the freedom yeah. to go back and be na natural the way that humans were thousands and thousands of years ago, where the 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 position of the sun or uh, the earth rotating around the sun did not determine my day that i was not tied to a clock or any concept of a clock 
other than a few things that fit in with uh, things, for instance, about sunrise that we had talked about is a good time for the monks to go out because in the Thai society, the people already know that when they get up in the morning, that the way to get rid of all of their garbage from uh, supper last night is to give it to the monks <laughs> when they're passing by. <laughs> and uh, the funny thing, though, is, is that in Cambodia, they do it at a later time of the day. Because the monks go out then at 11 so that they eat by noon. But it's different cultures. But the whole point is, is that when the culture decides when the monks come out, that's when the monks come out. And, and But that's the only schedule that they've got all day. The whole rest of the day is that, in fact, when I was a monk in the United States and the Christians and whoever would come and uh, give interviews and questions, they would always say, well, tell me about your schedule. And I'd always slide and rub my chin and says, we do lunch. Because <laughs> that's about the only schedule that, that's there. And most and many monks spend up not burning late in oil, but are up at night. It is very very quiet. It's cool. If you're in the tropics, the nights are cool. And so yeah, it's good I, to be up uh, at night and and asleep when it's hot. Yeah, I, I like being up at night or really early because it's Oh, being up before the sun is really marvelous. That's a really nice time of day. Everything is still and quiet, and the dust has settled out of the air because there's no foot traffic or whatever. Yeah, and it's yeah, really, it's it feels clean. Yeah. That's like the cleanest part of the day. It is, it is. I, I used to live near uh, Central Park, and I'd go there at like 4 in the morning, and the sun's just coming up, or 4.35 just starting to come up and it was so beautiful you know no one's there you're all alone you just see the sun coming up and the sky is like this really dark blue just starting to lighten up just a little bit it was, it was mm -hmm. beautiful i i love that and now when the ordinary mind has already been established in a schedule of sleeping at night then they're not quite alert to that but if you are wide awake when that time of day happens, it's marvelous. Yeah. Because we're awake to that marvel instead of being semi-conscious, you know. I don't care about how marvelous the world is. I've got to get my clothes on and get a shower and get out of here because i got to get to work. And that's exactly the way people think. Never mind right. how marvelous the world is right now. I've got work to do. Yeah, I used to be on a rowing team at my, at a at first university I went to, and um, we'd get up at uh, 4 a.m. for practice at 5 on the lake every morning. And mm -hmm. it was just really beautiful just being out there on the lake. 5, it's just starting to get sunny, and you, know, you can hear the birds, and the, the water is glassy. Cause they'd, they'd like it at that time because that would be the time where there'd be the least amount of wind. So mm -hmm. other times a day, if you'd go out, it'd be a little windy and you couldn't row as nicely. Um, it is the and, best time you know. of, of day to get your mind together, and it's the best time of day to have your mind together. Yeah. And yeah, that's totally. what we're practicing, is we're practicing, let's get our stuff together, let's get our joy and get rid of these unwholesome thoughts and get our mojo going, get some energy here, let's get up for the game. Basically, yes. it's and this is so different than the attitude of meditation. The attitude of meditation is sitting still and being quiet and the mind is gone to who knows where, but it's right. supposed to be good way over there. And then oh, people come yeah. out of that kind of state. and They say, well, what value is this? This is a bunch of work. Right. Yeah, I have a question about this that I've been waiting to ask for a little while now, which is. Um, you know, so I find myself al alternating between PD and Suka, and I don't really know what's better, <laughs> you know, and, and I, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on how whichever you, you want that you don't have when you want it, that's Dukkha. When you experience it and are satisfied with it, whichever is coming, that's the correct practice. Here it is. 
There it goes. Here it is again. There it goes. Oh, you're here again, huh? I see you too. Here you go. Ah, you're back. Ah, there you are. There you go. <laughs> you oh. hear what I'm talking about? I'm talking about the yeah. arising, passing away of phenomena, which is exactly what we wanted to get into in the sense of the original question was now that you can get yourself into those states, what are you going to do with your time? The answer is you're going to watch these very wholesome states arise and pass away. That's exactly how the Anapanasati Sutta is set up, but for some reason it's hard to glean it out of there. But other suttas like Sutta number 111 really point out this whole phenomenon of watching the arising and the passing away of every moment being different. Really get into the fact that you are in a flow and things are constantly fluttering and flowing and fluffing and flittering away and re-arising. And it is a marvelous show. And it's Sutta 111. Sutta 111, one by one as they occur. What is that one by one as they occur? It's the phenomenon. And one by one means as they come up, the last one dies away. One by one as they occur. It's called the Anupada Sutta. I just, uh, I just search for it okay great i'll read this one later thank you well let's put it this way it's unlikely somebody intentionally wrongly named it if it's mn 111 it's <laughs> one by one yeah i i don't know you know like you know in the bible it's like mark 212 and then it's luke 212 and you know i don't know the naming system for for buddhism yeah the it Buddhist well both, both, in, both in Buddhism and in the Bible, there's one thing that everybody knows, and that is how to find a passage based upon a, uh, a name of a book and a verse. Okay? Hmm. That's true in both Buddhism and in Christianity. And they also have something else deeply in common. And that is once you have found the correct verse, doesn't mean a thing because you still don't know squat, but at least you found the right verse. <laughs> you just don't know it yet. Okay, so that's the, the real issue, is not that we can find it. The answer is, do we understand it when we read it? <laughs> How would you like the Bible verse I sent you the other day? Lunch, 11.35. Oh, yes, I, I've actually, that's in fact, the, the, but that's not a Christian book, that's a Buddhist book. Uh, okay. Lunch is a Buddhist book. <laughs> That's what confused me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and in fact, that's exactly lunchtime, 1135. Sure. Great. Which is about the time that the monks stop champing and start chopping. Sure. So, so you shouldn't, so when it, so, okay, so a couple more questions about this PD Suka thing. So, okay. One, okay. So one thing I've noticed is, so I had an interesting thing happen yesterday, um, where um, the PD would come up, and then I would notice the PD, and I would I decided to start really noticing the PD, like really just going into it and just really studying that PD, and it would expand, and it would seem. Like it was less uh, rough around the edges and more stable, and it would kind of stabilize and then kind of turn into something like suka, but a little maybe a little different than my normal okay. experience of suka. So and so the whole show then is to keep watching that stuff as it goes into flow from one thing to the next. Uh, uh, there's always a constant show and flow going on and as we stay in our sensory awareness of watching all of that and and this is actually sensory awareness in the sense of even noticing our feelings noticing how we feel noticing the states of mind and the various th things that are changing within the mind then now becomes the new show in town 
And there's something just very unique about this also that needs to be pointed out, and that is all this stuff that we're going to watch, and we'll actually go through them with, as both groups and individually in a moment. But the thing that they have in common is that all of these things are wholesome because we have already spent the time that it takes to remove unwholesome thoughts from the mind. Therefore, there are no unwholesome thoughts to bother with. Right. In that regard, that means that we're only going to need uh, to study the part of the mind that uh, is wholesome. And also, there's no reason to try to study the part of the mind that's unwholesome because that part of the mind is not working there right now. But we could walk right up to the door and kind of open the door and say, well, I don't want to go in there <laughs> and then close the door again. That's the kind of way that we're looking at it um, in the sense of not allowing wholesome thoughts to come back in. So as long as we can allow the unwholesome thoughts to stay out, that means that we never get far enough into the sequence of Paticca Samapada to get into the state of wanting something or into the state of trying to get rid of anything. And at that level, that means that we're kind of satisfied with what's happening right now. This is what we mean by wisdom at the point of contact. But the wisdom at the point of contact means that whatever we're now going to experience is going to be experienced wholesomely. And if we experience it ignorantly or um, delusionally, and we're not spot on to what's really going on, then we would uh, likely through that ignorance fall into um, a dissatisfying situation. Now, intellectually, anybody would recognize that if you had a choice between being in a dissatisfying situation and a satisfying situation, we would naturally choose a satisfying situation. Right. And yet very many people find themselves in dissatisfying situations, but they don't even recognize they've got a choice to get out of it. Right. And what you're developing is you're developing the skill to wake up in time to recognize you've got a choice to get out of that stuff. And yeah, if you're doing it while yeah. you're, uh huh. And if you're doing it while you're practicing, that means that you can sustain these wholesome thoughts one after another after another, which means now you've only got wholesome things to note or to investigate. And that's what we're going to do now is we're going to start investigating because this investigation is now a new part of the skill development. Heretofore, we have been developing the skill of um, investigation, and now we're going to further develop that skill of investigation by investigating the investigation system itself. How is my investigation? What does it look like? How do I know I'm seeing clearly? All right. Then we can investigate other things like how is my um, effort? Is this the best effort in the sense and we can say technically the the correct definition of right effort is just enough effort that it takes to come out of unwholesome thoughts. No more effort is needed just that much change the mind. For, and so even if somebody's putting in a whole lot of effort, but that a whole lot of effort is not changing the mind from unwholesome thoughts to wholesome. And an example of that is, oh, look how hard I'm trying. I know I can get something out of meditation. Oh, I just need to keep doing it and keep working at it. Right? Still always wanting something and never coming to the point of, you know, right now is good enough. Why should I want anything? Which means now that's the effort that it takes to come out of the unwholesome thought into the wholesome. And somebody there is spending all of that effort and, and still remaining in unwholesome thought. So one's right noble effort is also a small amount of effort to just move that thought. And if we have a bunch of negative thoughts in a, in a row, that means they, they get on a roll, which means it's hard to break the pattern. But if you ha just have one immediate thought, and then that thought is followed by uh, a wake-up call. Hey, look at that thought. Look at what you're doing. That's Duca. Yeah, well, that's Duca. Hey, Mara, I see you. Out of here. And then you throw it out immediately, and then it's really easy to throw out. 
And so basically what we're talking about is keeping the mind wholesome while we're inspecting only in wholesome things, knowing that if something unwholesome comes up, it's out of here before it gets in line to be inspected. Mm. Right. I was going to ask, and I think you might have already answered my question, but just to double check. Um, so I found like my favorite kind of wholesome thought, the one that most gladdens the mind, is noticing the unwholesome. Um, and it's sometimes Aha, uh-huh, I caught quick. you is very wholesome. Uh-huh, yes. I see that. And, there you go yes, again. I and, caught you. <laughs> yes, and sometimes it's so quick that I don't even have the time to, you know, like say aha, right? Like it's just like, oh, there it is. You know, it's this tiny little thing. I can't even By the tell time you what's it takes unwholesome you to about say it. it. It's already finished. That's the now. Yeah. Now, so what we were seeing there was the arisal. Mm-hmm. Now we want to also start to watch the, the passing away and the fading away. Watch mm-hmm. the flittering away. But every time this arises, this had to pass away in order for this to arise. And when something new arises, then this flitters away. And so start paying attention to the flittering away and you begin to see that, wait a minute, my whole life is in the past. I never do catch up to the present moment because everything has already happened by the time I know it. Right. Yeah. To begin to see that, who in the heck am I? I'm always living in the past. I never caught up to the present moment. Yeah, yeah. I once read that the way the Greeks, the ancient Greeks, conceptualized time was it's like you're walking backwards only ever see behind you you know you can never see forward can't see forward you can't see it and this is this is why the buddha puts that whole point and it's in this is like step 13 14 15 and 16 of anapanasati but it's also the key ingredient in this other sutta number 111 that we put up and that is to note these wholesome things in the sense that even the wholesome arises and passes away, arises and passes away, arises and passes away. So this means that now we're going to be finished with all that unwholesome stuff, let it completely pass away. And Mm. now we're going to start looking at the fact that the first thing, in, in fact, on the list of items is that the mind is capable of applying itself to wholesome and then sustaining it on the wholesome. So you begin to monitor wholesome thought, wholesome thought, wholesome thought, wholesome thought, wholesome thought, wholesome thought, like that. This is wholesome thought. And then we begin to see that the mind is, in fact, beginning to make connections in a new kind of way, because before the mind's been all over the place. But now we're beginning to get the mind steadied into one wholesome thought after another, after another. And it's amazing the change in mind. And so we begin to watch that change. Yeah, these past two days, um, it was just so nice the whole hour that I didn't even like count down the time. I'll often when I'm sitting think, okay, 20 minutes left, 10 minutes left, five minutes, you know. I'll do a little, and I'll be a little bit happy because I've been like just getting a task done, basically. Whippy, I did thirty-five minutes. I can do another forty. Yeah, I know that. Right. (laughs) And and, right. And this time, though, these past few days, sitting for a full hour, um, and I've had this before with Anapanasati, but not for a whole hour practice. This is my first time really diving in for an hour. and I just like, I was like, I could keep doing this. You know, I have no problem. This is nice. You know, it's only 20 minutes. That's great. It could uh-huh. be another hour, you know, so, it, it so was just now nice. you're also yeah. ready. So here's something also new to do. But I do want to get back oh, with you about the noticing of wholesome things, yes. noting what is perception and all of that. But there's also the issue of. What are you going to do when you finish your meditation session? Are you going to say, I've had enough joy now that I can stand? Or are you going to start practicing getting up out of your meditation posture, whatever that is, and maintaining that position in the mind so that you can keep it going, sustain it? Even though you you walk up to the dog and put the leash on the dog and you walk out the door, you do it 
completely full of joy and completely mindfully. In fact, the dog may enjoy that walk better than you dragging him around. He drags you around now because you don't care where he goes. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. you're enjoying every bit it. of it. Right. You're yeah. enjoying the show. You're, you're, so you get yourself into a really good state and then start living your life that way. Yeah, at a at Wat Cham Tong in 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 near Chiang Mai, they taught me to end my meditation with uh with uh, meta, with uh making merit is how they called it, you know. Yeah, and, and uh, I'm telling you to do that yeah. exactly with your dog. You go. <laughs> I'm just yeah. giving you an exact example of it. Let the dog go where he wants to do. Give him the meta yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay, so how you end it is is that you don't end it. You just get up and go about doing something now in that wonderful state of mind. And that is your meta. Mm. Is to keep it going, keep it flowing. Practice that. In fact, start watching when it drains off because it will. The world will keep whacking you, and I mean, the dog will do something, and you'll come right out of it. (laughs) Unless you're really, really on top of your game, saying every thought, you got to watch it. Am I really sustaining this thought? Am I really paying attention? Yeah, 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 I had that a few weeks ago. I had a great day, and then I go to bed, and I wake up, and the dog had diarrhea, and he pooped all over the carpet, and it was a whole disaster. <laughs> and then I was like, wow, this is how my And he pooped day. more in your mind than he did on the carpet. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't him. It was you that did that pooping. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> but uh, anyhow. So anyway, you can clean it up happily and be interested in his health and well-being. Or you can kick the dog because you hate the fact that you got to clean his mess up. I mean, it's just a matter of attitude. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I was unhappy. I didn't kick him or anything, so I don't believe in that. But I... Uh, Before you answer that, I want to have an interview with the dog. (laughs) (laughs) All right, he's right here. No, no, I'm I'm just teasing, I'm teasing. All right, all right. (laughs) (laughs) So, this is the whole concept then of what do we do with very, very wholesome states because we're intending to spend a lot of time in the future in those wholesome states. What do we do with it? The answer is we're going to watch. We're going to investigate. We're going to be on top of the game. We're going to start inspecting how the mind actually works. We're going to start looking at what are feelings. Now that I can control the feelings, start looking at the fact that at one time before, you couldn't. They controlled you. Now you're actually able to control the feelings. So can you control them in the way now of making them very subtle? Can you bring them up to the level of of exuberance and bring them down to the level of of, uh, no more exuberance, but a sense of deep well-being and satisfaction, even further down into peace, down to the level of everything's all right, everything's fine, no worries, everything's going. And that's the level of upeka. Now, upeka can also be thought of as aloof or away from it or out of it. But we're not talking about aloofness in the sense of uh, ignoring or out of it in the sense of not ignoring. No, this kind of upeka is when we're really on top of the game. When we're really satisfied with the blanket we've laid out on our own mound of dirt. Okay, because we're now on top of the world. And we should have, we got it, okay? This is that confidence, and we start to build that confidence. So that's part of what needs to be looked at. How's my confidence? How is my strength of mind? Begin to look for ways of testing it to see, how am I doing here? 
The Kabutadasa even refers to it in the sense of sickness. Yeah, that's a great opportunity to practice. That's a right. great opportunity. Get right on top of the game. Right. Hey, not only is this disease killing me, but I can die happily. <laughs> because what are my choices? To die unhappily? <laughs> And so this is the new way of looking at it is, is that we got to get on top of the game, regardless of how the show goes. What happens in the next act is not interesting. What's interesting is how you're handling what's happening right now. Because if I'm really good at handling what's happening right now, I'll be ready for act four. In a three act play. So this is what we do with that state. The number one thing, we get into it. Second thing is we learn to sustain it. We keep it going. But then later, we begin to also recognize that we can maintain, like I was talking about, these feelings, to really get in touch with the feelings. And so we can bring them down quietly when we want to, and then raise them back up to the level of exuberance when we want to, because we've got full control over our repertoire. And part of the songs that we don't play is, I guess, uh, the humorous way to say it is ragtime. That we don't go funky, we don't go into the unwholesome, we play sweet music. Well, it's funny, because your point about choosing to elevate or not, that I feel like that's kind of what was going on with my alternation between the PD and the Suka yesterday. Um, is I was kind of going to the exuberance of the PD, and then back down to the coolness of the Suka, and then I'd be like, okay, I'm kind of bored of this right now. I'm a little bored, so I'm going to throw in some PD again. And it's like, okay, enough PD. You know, back to the suit guy. Let's chill. Now, now you're getting my... it. Okay, so really what's going on is not only you are watching the arising and the passing away, by doing so, you're beginning to take control and manage your life. Right. Congratulations. This is what it's Thank all you. about. Who's who's the boss here anyway? Who? I mean, who's the lion? You heard that game, you know, like, who's a good puppy? Well, who's a lion here? Who's a lion, you know? Yeah, yeah, getting there. <laughs> yes, this is what we're getting yeah. at, is, is that that confidence is based upon success. Right. And that success is manufactured intentionally. Yeah, yeah. And it's done with a mind that's clear and pure and uh, free from unwholesome thoughts, because if we allow unwholesome thoughts in there, then we're basically poisoning our own brew. And that's what right. people do. They live lives of poisoned, self-poisoning their own lives by always telling themselves it could be better, or it could be better here or better there. Or in fact, everything's beautiful right now. Right, right. You know, so getting funny, into that yeah. state of everything is beautiful right now and maintaining it now begins to be the goal. Right. Yeah, it's funny. I uh, I saw some family the other night. Uh, my my cousin's getting married on Sunday, and and uh, he's he's my best friend as well. He's a very wholesome guy. And um, and so his brother and, uh, and his father were in town, and, and they were also at the dinner, uh, his soon-to-be father-in-law and soon-to-be brother-in-law. And so it was a little bachelor, you know, groom night or whatever the other night. And, um, you know, I, I noticed I was really just out of ease. You know, the whole, I was just having a great time. You know, I was really, and the father of my cousin who is, my my cousin is my second cousin, so his father is really uh, my father's cousin, so that's first cousin once, it doesn't matter, but I call him uncle, you know, that's all that matters, so <laughs> call him my uncle, you know, and he's this kind of guy that likes to do these little digs, you know, and likes to do these little, you know, you know, poke you, you know, a little bit, you know, he likes Passive to aggressive, right, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. That yeah, and and that used to really bother me, you know. He's got a yeah. dagger, not a not a uh, a shotgun, right? I I right, got right, right, right. Used to really bother me, and didn't bother me at all. 
Not even a little bit. I I just made some jokes and I played along with it and had my own little jokes to fire back and smoothed out the situation. It, it felt much better. And I hadn't seen him in two years, you know, but to compare how I felt this time compared to two years ago, the last time I saw him, it was total night and day difference. You know, it was really something. And I imagine that you also began to recognize that because there was a new kid playing the game, that the whole game had changed for the whole crowd. Yes, yes, yes. And it was just a very relaxed, much more relaxed feeling than how I felt being around this, this, this uh, family member in the past. So what you were doing was very similar to an episode that, that I had seen. And I was just wanting to check that out because this is what happened. There were four Catholic nuns all dressed to the nines, only way Catholic nuns can dress. I think that there were three nuns and they had four babies. And I think and they had just so this is a flight from uh, from Seoul, Korea, because I was coming from Thailand, picked up a flight from Seoul, Korea. And here's these nuns sitting right in the vicinity with four babies. Taking them to adoption in the US or something like that. And it was clear these nuns were not very good at taking care of babies. But that was their job, and so here they are, and they had one too many anyway, and so none of the kids were getting any of the kind of attention they needed for being on a long-haul flight. All of them infants and swaddling clothes. Uh, And so uh, here I am in my Buddhist robes, and I stand up, and I go and ask, is it okay if I hold one of the babies? And so now I'm standing on, you know, in the airplane and, and rocking it back and forth, and I can finally get this one settled down. Yeah. And once I got that one, that kid settled down, within 10 minutes, those three nuns had a chance to relax because mm. they didn't have any babies. Mm. And those babies went all over that airplane. That was a community. I I was uh, I didn't know it at the time what was happening, but I was creating a sangha right there, turning a situation that was desperate. Yeah. I mean, the people on that plane did not like it. Long haul flight, four babies, cry, cry, cry. The nurses can't do anything, or the nuns can't do anything about it because they don't have the skills to do it. Yep, yep. And the next thing you know, every child is well cared for. There's enough women on those plane, that plane to know what to do. And the kids, you know, and so that's exactly what happens. We do have that kind of ability to go in and just add some wholesomeness to a tense situation. And the whole thing will change. Absolutely. And I think that if you reflect upon it, you'll see that, yeah, compared to the last year or two years ago and now, this was a much better situation, not just for me, but the joy was spreading around. But everybody was able to get along better because you were giving at least one example of someone who was not freaked out about this guy going around jabbing everybody with his dagger. Right, right. Yeah, no, it, it, it makes a big difference, you know, and like, uh, you know, where, one place I'd really see that is in the ceremonies, you know, because <laughs> everyone's just way out, you, you know, you know, you know how it is. And, <laughs> you know, and, and, um, you know, I've been a meditator for a while now, you know, and I think I've gotten a lot better since we've been working together. Um, but um and so thank you very much oh that's much. clear to see uh, it really is clear yeah. to see i congratulate you on making progress robert i can tell thank you very much well thank you it wouldn't wouldn't have done it without you so i really appreciate it well i'm just watching here but i got to let you know i'm watching <laughs> <laughs> all right thanks noted <laughs> but um for any of you, i remember like um you know, often I'd sit in the ceremonies, and, and I used to sit with this one particular group where they would have the ceremony in this in this room. It's like a living room, and it's it's like a medium-sized room. I wouldn't call it a small room, but it's definitely not a big room. It's kind of a medium-sized room. And, um, and uh, I would sit 
maybe three or four people on the same side of the wall with me. And because I'd go in my meditation kind of attitude, you know, of just, just, you know, sitting with it, you know, that whole wall that I would be on would often be much more relaxed than the wall on the opposite side of the room where they didn't have someone like that over there, you know, and so that wall would be going crazy. And I noticed this many times, like my little area with whatever skills I had, you know, at that time was able to be more mellow than other areas. Mm -hmm. And it, it was really fun to kind of see that, you know, and not to toot my own horn or anything, but just a little share. What, and, what and you're like, talking what, about yeah. is and the same effect went, that I was with the babies on that airplane. It's the same effect. Yeah, yeah and those people over there, they'd be screaming and crying and all that. <laughs> you know, it'd be something. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, like like babies, right? You know, but... <laughs> uh, it shows how susceptible we are. And that is, in fact, the whole concept that within Buddhism that is mudita. Yes. Most specifically, and the Brahma Viharas in general. This is what metta yeah. really is, is working at that level of mudita so that you begin to change the vibrations. Let us I, say I actually, that, yeah. that the people in... Really great story, I'll tell you. Okay. Well, anyway... Yeah. Uh, the, the, the uh, example that I would use is a regular minor chord by adding a new note to it changes the flavor of that minor chord completely. Yes. Okay. By adding a new note, it's already a sour note or a sour chord, but you can add a new note and sweeten it up. Yeah. That, yeah. that that's, that's the quality of music. Uh, and we can see that that's also true in the sense of music with the sympathetic vibrations, that things harmonize. Yeah. And so if you come in with, uh, uh, with notes of joy, then that's going to change the frequencies and the vibrations of people in the room. The question is, do you have enough of that to actually dominate the room? Can you take right. over the full room? I've had conversations with several students at times when they had the opportunity to just take the whole room over. They ran the show with their joy. Get everybody joyful. Crack up the whole crowd. And they didn't come for a comedian, but they certainly got one. <laughs> they loved it. Okay, so this is the idea then, is you can really lighten things up if you're yeah. a mind to, if you can remember to. And that that is especially useful when you've got one person who is angry. Because yep. now, if you have enough, you see, normally people, anger is a sufficiently large enough expression so that he can get other people to be angry with him. They will follow his vibrations. But if yep. you've got your own, then you can come back in with your own harmonizing with him and change his tune from a sour note into cheering him up. Right. I, I, okay, I got two other good stories for you <laughs> so, uh, on this topic. So, <laughs> uh, so uh, and they both involved the Dalai Lama. So, um, so one is I, I was at a ceremony, and and I I had had several cups of medicine, you know, and I go over next to this giant fire, and I sit down, and there's this woman next to me just screaming. And, like, a few, like, not right next to me, like, maybe, like, you know, like, a, a foot or two, two feet away. And, and I She's asked, not enjoying her moment, huh? I, I hear you telling me that. She's, she's not, not her. She's just not screaming. And, uh, and it wasn't the good kind of screaming, you know, it was, like, not happy. And, and so I asked the organizer, you know, is it okay if I play a song on the, music, on the stereo or whatever? And she said, okay, sure. And I said... You know, I, I listened to this album. It was by this artist, Nwang Kechog, who's this famous Tibetan flutist. And he made an album with His Holiness the Dalai Lama together. And it's mm -hmm. a great, it's a very beautiful album of, of the, the Tibetan flute and the Dalai Lama praying. 
and and I was able to find this on YouTube. Oh, the music to save to save the savage soul. So you played this for this lady who was screaming, yes. and that calmed yes, her right it, down. It, Isn't that yeah, amazing? It, it, it was amazing. <laughs> it came over the speakers, and she had no idea what I was playing, but like the energy was really intense. And then this calm flute just comes in, and the Dalai Lama is praying his soft, nice prayer, you know, and. And she stopped immediately. She just stopped screaming. Like, she just calmed way down. All the energy calmed way down. It was really cool, you know. <laughs> it was really cool. And, um, and This is called Mudita, sympathetic to. vibration. Yeah. So she, she stopped vibrating at the level she was vibrating and started vibrating to a cooler vibration. Soothing, yes. calm. Isn't that interesting? That's exactly right. You have that kind of effect. This is another way that we can say it, though it doesn't seem to be quite the same. But on the children's ward in middle December, the kids there are unhappy children to be in the hospital. And then somebody comes in dressed as Santa Claus that knows how to play the part. Right, Pop and there is, uh huh, and there is yeah. more healing going on in that hospital right that very moment than any nurse or doctor can do. Yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. That joy, bringing joy into it, and all of a sudden the kids forget all about their misery and their suffering, and they can't go here and do that or whatever like that. So joy actually. Um, rather than having an MD, I would rather have an RD behind my name. <laughs> RD. Yes. Breeder's Digest. <laughs> In the sense of laughter is the best medicine. That was a long, ongoing article. Laughter is the best medicine, mm. and it really mm. is. Laughter That's is, great. in fact, the best medicine. But we're talking about it not in the sense of ha 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 as laughter, but in the sense of spreading joy. Yep, yep. You know, it's funny. It's it's one reason, and this is my other story of the Dalai Lama. It's kind of a two part story. But it's one reason I got this Dalai Lama picture. You know, is is just uh, it's just a joyful picture. He's smiling. It looks like he's about to laugh. You know. Um, and I just really it looks like that they they snapped the photo between uh laughs, yeah, yeah, you can see like he's just sure. like, yeah, he's about a very jolly guy. I've been around yeah. him, I've seen him, yeah, he's he he's just yeah. like the Kabuta Dasa, yeah, and it's funny, you know, because uh, I uh, the reason I got this picture is my one of my friends who has has these San Pedro <laughs> cactus ceremonies told me this great story. Our mother is very Catholic and she got her this poster of the Dalai Lama and she would just sit there crying sometimes next to this poster. And she asked her mother, you know, like, mom, why are you crying? And she said, he's just such a beautiful man. You know, well, she should and, laugh and, at that, and, not cry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know, it was really affecting her. And so I got, I, I was like, you know, that's a nice story. So I got one for myself, and I got one for my dad and for my mom, too. And my my dad is someone that is very cynical and <laughs> loves to criticize and negative thoughts all the time. I you know? wondered where you got all of that. <laughs> <laughs> and, I could have uh, guessed yeah. it. I could have guessed that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, and and he loves to talk about how people are screwing him over all the time. And he's a he's a self-made businessman, you know. And so, um, so he just, you know, part of that whole lifestyle he's chosen is to have people trying to screw him over all the time, you know, and get his money and this and that, you know. And so, well, that's that's what business is, business. In every regard that I know, is what businessman can make deals with other businessmen so that one of them gets screwed by the other. That's what business is all about. 
Yeah, my dad, he even says that kind of thing. Like he said, you know, everyone's stealing from you, so you got to steal a little bit as well. He likes to say Well, that's like not that. always the case. Sometimes there's windfalls in the sense that you didn't intend to steal it, and they didn't know you stole it, but it happened, and here it is. Right. <laughs> we call that a windfall. <laughs> right, well, like his, his version of that might be like he'd, he'd buy bottled water, for twenty nine cents, and then he'd turn around and sell it for two ninety nine. You know, and and he'd be like, you know, they don't know that I'm buying this for twenty nine cents. You know, they have no idea. But exactly. they're buying it. You know, they're buying it for two ninety nine. So I'm happy. You know, <laughs> and that was his whole. But you know, it's funny because I got him this Dalai Lama picture, and I said, you know, Dad, like if you're ever having a bad day, you know, you feel you get. You know, like uh, like uh, your the technical support team for your car. You know, they screwed you over. This screwed you over. That screwed you over. You can just look at this Dalai Lama picture. You know, and I mm -hmm. hope it just helps you have some faith in humanity. And uh, I hope he remembers right. to look at it because I mean, I you're you're does, actually yeah. just teaching him on a Panasati with a picture frame. Yeah, you know, you could have said, "Just yeah. take a deep breath and enjoy the photo," and that's full on Aponasati right there. All yeah, he has to do is remember it, and that's easy to do. If he keeps the uh, photo of the Dalai Lama there on his desk, that's really wholesome. <laughs> Thank you, and I, I hope he, I hope he makes use of it. I don't know. I haven't talked to him for a few months, but <laughs> I hope he uh, uh, makes use of it. But. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, anything that we can use yeah. as a reminder to remember that it's okay to be happy. Yeah, yeah. No, you don't. Totally. You don't have to wait until the work's done in order to be happy. If we wait until the work's done, we're never happy. We'll be dead before we're happy because there's never end to the work. Yeah. So yeah. don't worry, be happy. Don't worry, be happy. And that actually would take us into right livelihood. All right, yeah. let's do that next time. I think that we've pretty sure. well covered it at least enough to know that we're going to start yeah. working on keeping things wholesome and investigating what's wholesome. Yes. Including how the mind works, what the aggregates are, uh, in the sense of what is consciousness, what is perception, so that you begin to get a handle on it because you can see your, uh, your mind in operation. This right. is the state of mind that we want to get into is so that we're paying attention to only wholesome things. We're not trying to keep the mind out of the gutter. It's not in the gutter right now. It's functioning properly. So now let's take a look at it. Sure. And, and do you recommend I look at any suttas in particular aside from 111? 111 is the one. You go get what this is and understand what we're talking about to begin to see the splittering away, the rising and passing away of all these wholesome things. Begin to start watching the mind, how it works. Look at how your investigation. Look at the Apoh Noble Path in that regard. And this is what's happening right now kind of way of looking at it. This is my intention. This is my uh, sukha. This is my pity. I can see the pity going up and down. I can see the sukha going up and down. I'm actually looking at that stuff as it's happening inside. That's the investigation that we need to do. Sure. To really get it, because if you do that by knowing it very well, you can begin to take control over it. You can begin to experiment with it. Not only do you see that this happens and then that happens, we can all we can say that oh, that means that I can make that happen and then this will happen. Sure. Sounds and you begin good. to learn how to control the mind. Right now, the yeah. mind is completely out of control with most people, and they generally run by instinct, right. which is often false positives into negative feelings. And here we're making sure that the mind is positive and wholesome and healthy and working function properly, and now we can begin to see how it, that works, how that happens. Great. And, you know, one other thing I think is worth mentioning uh, that has really changed my day-to-day -day life as part of this practice is I often will just think to myself, you know, uh, like just, you know, walking down the street or whatever, you know, like, you know what, I can do it. Whatever uh -huh. it is I'm going to do today, I can do it. You know, I can like, do uh, it. 
I can do it, you know, like, I got this, you know, and it's a very nice, like, part of my day, you know, that's, that's arisen, or it's all going to be okay, you know, it's all good, that, you know, like that. That really is what Satchmo's song is. And what's Satchmo's song, aside from that? Sa- Sa- <laughs> what a wonderful world, icy skies of blue. And red roses too. That's a winter song. Mm. Mm-hmm. What a wonderful world. Now that's mm. the right attitude. We're not talking about how wonderful the world is. We're talking about the attitude. What a wonderful world. Sure. Sure. And I wish I had that all the time, but I, I have it sometimes and it's very nice. Keep you know. keep yeah. Keep going, keep developing yeah. the skills, keep looking at it, keep asking the question, do I have skies of blue and red roses too? Is my wonderful world wonderful right now? And you hot nigga do dog, it sure is. <laughs> sure, sure. So <laughs> That's the I, investigation, yeah. make things really wholesome. Sure. So I, so I have another question about all this. So um, how how long does this whole process take? Usually, like how 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 did you know? Like, is there kind of a usual timetable? You know, yes, or, two yeah. weeks. Really, two weeks. Okay, so uh, two weeks. For... That's what said. That's how it took. How long it took Sherry Puta in the Sutta One Eleven a fortnight. Also in the Sutta Number Ten and the Majjhima Nikaya, which is the uh, Satipatthana Sutta. The Buddha there says that it takes about seven years. But what? never mind about seven years, you can do it in seven weeks. Then he says, never mind seven weeks, you could do this in seven days. And you can double the speed that that Sariputta did it because it took him two weeks. Okay, so if it's taking years and years and years, that means it's doing something wrong. If we do it right, we can get it done. Sure. Cool. And that's how much wholesome stuff you can pile on there. If you pile enough wholesome stuff on there, it'll begin to stick. Sure. You get the cool. point? I mean, this is something we can say, okay, well, I'll practice and get a little bit today and maybe a tiny little bit tomorrow. Oh, no, you pile it on. We're talking about if a, ste- if a teaspoon of sugar helps the medicine go down, then go buy a hundred pound bag of sugar already. <laughs> you get the point? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. overdo the joy. Intentionally overdo it. Exuberant. Sure. Okay, sounds good. And oh, here's another question I thought of. Oh, so, enough already. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Okay, okay. All right. Next time. Okay. Um, and oh, okay. One one last topic, maybe without the video recorder for, for this other topic. Maybe you can save it for tomorrow. But um, um, okay. All right. Well, let's do it tomorrow then. Okay. Cool. Tomorrow's All fine. right. All right. Okay. Cheers. We'll see Thank you. Thank you very much. See you soon.